0: The Big Lead, Dory Monson Show exclusive. A story that we have been covering for many months now. Democrats in Olympia and Jay Inslee, a year and a half ago, conspired to let some of the most violent criminals in our state's history walk free. It is it's truly one of the most shocking political stories I've ever covered. And I'm a little disgusted that almost nobody in the local media has picked up on it. But the reason they haven't picked up on it in many cases is because it would be a damning indictment of the Democrat Party and of Jay Inslee. And many in the media are a protection racket for all of them. But it is the story of Senate Bill 516 Four, which passed on a straight Democrat vote a year and a half ago, 2021. Uh, there were eight senators who co-sponsored the bill and it was designed to eliminate some strikes of three strikes you're out offenders. And today we have the real life ramifications of what the Democrats in our state did. Because this morning, a vile human being named Roy Russell. Roy Russell, I'll, I'm going to run through the whole whole background one more time here. Roy Russell was a three strikes year out offender. He got released by a judge, even though he was supposed to be in prison for the rest of his life. And when he got released, he started throwing parties for high school kids, even though he was a man in his 40s. And there was a girl named Chelsea Harrison. She had uh, just started at a new high school, Evergreen High School. She met a girl, and this girl that she met said, hey, my Uncle Royce throws parties. He wasn't this girl's uncle. He was just a, a creepy, horrible human being. Chelsea Harrison went to one of those parties. And uh, when the other kids had left, Roy Russell tried to rape this 14-year-old girl. When she resisted, he put his hands around her neck and murdered her. So, again, for the second time in his life, Roy Russell was convicted on three strikes you're out, life in prison, without the possibility of parole. But that's when Senate Democrats and Jay Inslee came along. They said, let's eliminate one of the strikes, not just of Roy Russell, but a 100 other three strikes you're out offenders. They said armed robbery shouldn't be a strike anymore because there's nothing wrong with armed robbery. And so Roy Russell this morning, right before we went on the air, he was resentenced. He was supposed to be gone for life without the possibility of parole. But instead, uh, first I'm going to start with the judge who he, he was disgusted with the lawmakers in Olympia and how they do not respect the will of the citizens.
1: Security and justice are two of the most important core responsibilities which citizens ask from their government. In a representative democracy, governmental power and authority are derived by consent from the governed. The people vote in regular elections to choose representatives and judicial officers, and sometimes to vote directly on proposed policies. This framework provides responsiveness and accountability to all of us who are served by our public institutions. In essence, we get the government we deserve, or at least that which we vote for. Governmental authority and legitimacy operate at their zenith when the legislature, the court, and the governor are in closest harmony with the hearts and minds of the voters. Conversely, governmental authority and legitimacy are at their lowest ebb when these institutions are out of touch with the voters' sentiments and wishes.
0: And so then the judge sentenced Roy Russell, re-sentenced him to the max, but it's not nearly as good as it sounds to protect the
1: people. This court does not and will not hesitate to exercise what remaining discretion it has after Senate Bill 5164 on behalf of the citizens of this county and will therefore sentence the defendant to the maximum authority available to this court 316 months along with all other standard sentencing conditions. Okay,
0: 360 months, 30 years. But in time already served, and he could get time off for good behavior, Roy Russell could be out of prison in five to seven years before his 70th birthday after not only murdering a 14-year-old girl, but committing five other three-strikes-you're-out felonies prior to his killing of Chelsea Harrison. That's who the Democrats in Olympia, that's who Jay Inslee believes needs to be out of prison. The grandmother of the 14-year-old victim of Roy Russell has been on our show before. Her name is Sylvia, and she joins us live here on the Dory Monson Show. Sylvia, it's good to talk to you again. I know this is a very difficult day for the family.
2: Yes, it is. It's, uh, you know, we feel a little bit of victory because they did give him the max. Uh, But, again, he was supposed to be there for life. And uh, who knows? Maybe something can be changed uh, before he can get out, you know? Things change. And I think if enough pressure is put on and uh, the citizens really get in and look at what is really, really happening, things can change, you know?
0: Well, they need to change. And I mean... The thing that, I mean, everything about this is disgusting, but for me, just thinking about what it put your family through again, because when you lost oh. Chelsea, which which is the, I mean, the worst thing a human being can endure is losing a child, losing a grandchild. You lose Chelsea, then you think Roy Russell is gone for the rest of his life without the possibility of getting out, and then... The politicians come along and make you go through this. You know her murder and a resentencing hearing. I imagine that has to be very traumatic for your family.
2: It is. It's 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 unbelievable. I mean, you it's, it it causes tears in the relationship and your family. I mean, it it's it's terrible. It's terrible. And people say, "Well, I know how you feel." You don't know how you feel yeah. unless you've been there. You know. And it's the most horrible thing that anybody can endure without a doubt.
0: When I talk uh, it's, to you, it's been hard. Yeah, well, when I, I talked to you a few months ago, Sylvia, uh, I told you that I was going to reach out to all eight co-sponsors of the legislation that is getting Roy Russell out early. Uh, these eight senators, I, I contacted every single one of them. None of them agreed to talk about this. And uh, you know, I'll tell you what I said on the air, that I can't believe the level of cowardice of politicians who craft bills that let child murders out of prison early. And then they will not face the public to at least explain why they wanted to do this. Have any of them talked to you about this? You
2: must be kidding. <laughs> no, hmm. nobody's talked to me. Uh, I have written, uh, three letters up to, uh, Olympia, the, uh, house of, uh, justice, uh, to the, uh, governor. Uh, I've heard nothing from anyone, you know, and they you know, they, you, you can't sue an appellate, uh, court. You can't sue, say, say you can't. Well, you know, I, I kind of took can't out of my dictionary many years ago. So we'll we'll see what happens on this thing, you know, because I am one mad lady.
0: I can understand that. Happy with
2: what happened? Yeah, happy with what happened today. This wrecked, wrecked my daughter Chelsea's mother, and that's all I can say because it truly did. I mean, every time she tries to to put it behind her, the best she can. Something else comes up because we thought, hey, we're rid of him and society is rid of him on the streets. That's one bad person that, you know, we don't have to worry about anymore. And he is literally a habitual criminal. There is no doubt about it.
0: Oh, yeah. He got mercy uh, inexplicably after being sentenced to three strikes. You're out a first time. And then it was. Mm -hmm while out on that, that he murdered your granddaughter. Uh, so they won't come on and talk with me. I know a lot of lawmakers listen to my show. I know that Jay Inslee in his office listen to my show. What's your message to the senators who co-sponsored this bill, the Democrats who voted for this bill, to Governor Jay Inslee, who signed this bill? What is your message, Sylvia, to all of them? My
2: message to all of them is, you need to stop and think what you're doing and what you're doing to the citizens out there. Uh, you have no idea what this type of thing puts the family through and to be so callous that you don't even have the decency to talk to anybody about it, to try to put some reasoning behind it. Uh, my message to them is shame on you. Shame on you for being so unprofessional at this point. And shame on you for doing this. So, uh, hopefully the citizens will take a good look at that when they get ready to vote again and, uh, you know, put some people in the legislature that maybe have the people's interests at, uh, you know, <laughs> people's interests at heart. Yeah.
0: So, uh, did did uh, you hear? You. I know you had to join this hearing via Zoom today. Did you hear what Roy Russell said when he had a chance to speak?
2: No, I did not. I did not. Uh-uh. Uh, do Do you want
0: to hear it, or or do you not want to hear that man's voice?
2: Yeah, no, that's fine. I'd I'd, I'd be happy okay. to hear
0: it. All yeah. right, here's what Roy Russell said at the sentencing
3: resentencing this morning. I admit to what I have It was a, it was a bad thing that happened. I'm really sorry to the family I don't know how things got so out of hand but they did and uh, I've changed I'm not the same person that I was before gone through a, a battery of uh, classes and treatments and and uh, it's just I didn't just now decide to say anything about what I did to Chelsea but back in two thousand thirteen I made this adjustment and been different. I was at a visit with my family and that's when I told them that I actually committed this crime. In the last thirty minutes they never said a word to me after that. During the visiting time they just left and at that time I never received another visit. They didn't ask me why I did it. I guess to them it didn't matter but I don't know if it was family as it works chelsea's family who lost a daughter or my family has to live with the fact i'm the person who took that life um it's been trying on both sides
0: let me break that down with you a little bit uh you started by saying he wanted to apologize to your family do you accept right. that apology
2: um it's it's kind of hard to tell you the truth um uh, I really don't have hate in me, and my daughter doesn't either. But uh, we both hate him with everything we have in us, and I I wouldn't lie about it. It would take a lot for me to forgive that guy and accept any kind of apology from him. Uh, mm-hmm. A forty five year old man uh, doing what he did I mean it's unbelievable. You know, yes, it is. So.
3: He, I, he I said that he's that
2: we got the most we could, but I, I, I'm i still still not happy. You know,
0: he says that he has received treatment and he is a changed man uh, since the Democrats and Jay Inslee have conspired to get him out of prison five to seven years from now. Uh, do you think society will be safe? Do you believe that he's a changed man?
2: No, no. You know, what is it? They say you don't change a leopard spot. I, I think people should be given a chance to show that they can do better, They show they can improve their life and not repeat the things that they have done before that are, are absolutely heinous. And he hasn't done that. He's proved every time when he got out of jail that he's going to turn around and do something else terrible.
0: Yeah, he's okay. gotten lots of opportunity. He's gotten lots of second and third. I mean, he got a first felony. Then he got a second. Then he got a third. Then he murdered Chelsea. I mean, this guy gets chance after chance after chance. And each mm-hmm. time he has come up even more violent. And then uh just real quick, I'll let you go. But he said at the end that his family deserted him after he admitted murdering your granddaughter. And he said he doesn't know which which family has it worse, yours for losing Chelsea or his for knowing that he's the one who did such a horrible thing. What oh. do you say?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, he, he's, it would be hard for me to forgive him. I'll be very truthful about it because, yeah, we have somewhat of a <laughs> – a victory, but it really isn't. They're backpedaling on a life in prison without possibility of parole. And that almost says to Judge Woolley that gave the first sentence, hey, what you said doesn't mean anything. And I know laws change. But, I mean, life in prison without parole should stand fast, period. I don't care what they go and change to, you know, should not change that.
0: Yep, so, absolutely right.
2: Anyhow. Well, Sylvia, okay.
0: I really appreciate you, you know, explaining to my audience just I mean, Roy Russell is is a horrible individual, but just the fact that we have politicians who take the side of a horrible individual over the side of your family, uh that says a lot about them too and it's uh we're in, we're in very desperate times right now.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You
0: and your family will remain in my prayers, Sylvia. I appreciate you coming on with me this afternoon.
2: Thank you very much. I appreciate you giving me the time to talk, and uh, we may talk again.
0: All right. God God bless you.
2: God bless you. Thank you.
0: That is Sylvia, the grandmother of Chelsea Harrison, murdered at age 14 back in 2005, and now... Thanks to, uh, let me give you their names again. <clears throat> I'm not going to make this some generic thing. Thanks to the eight co-sponsors of this bill, all Democrat senators, a couple of stepped down. Jeannie Darnielle of Tacoma, Mona Doss of Kent, Patty Cutter of Bellevue, Bob Hasegawa of Seattle, Marco Leas of Linwood, Rebecca Saldana of Seattle, Jesse Solomon of Shoreline, and Claire Wilson of Auburn. Those eight Democrat senators co-sponsored a bill. Jay Inslee signed it. Democrats in the House and Senate voted for it. And now, a brutal, multi-time felon, twice convicted of three strikes. Instead of life in prison, we found out right before going on the air today, that Roy Russell is gonna go away for another five to seven years with time already served. Great job, Jay and Democrats. Really doing a great job running this state. It's unbelievable. It's nauseating. Congratulate our Governor Jay Inslee in his relentless pursuit of excellence. Once again, he is number one in the nation in being the most fiscally irresponsible governor in the nation for the fifth consecutive biennium the cato institute has given jay Inslee an f grade for how he manages spending and taxing here in washington and one of the co-authors of this piece for the cato institute is chris edwards he joins us here on the dory monson show chris always great to talk with you sir hey
4: thanks a lot for having me
0: yeah. All right. So not only an F grade for Jay Inslee, because there were about six or seven F grades, but he was the effiest of the Fs, right? <laughs>
4: That's right. Every, every two years, we take a look at the uh, the nation's governors and we score them on their taxes and spending. Now, we, we favor small government, um, so the governors who increase taxes and spending the most, they get the low grades, and the, and the ones who cut taxes and spending get the high grades. That said, it's completely nonpartisan based on the hard data. So we found that Governor Inslee had the worst score this year, and just a few sort of facts about him, you know, he's been in office almost 10 years now, Uh spendings... Uh, increased at a galloping rate of 6.3 percent, you know, year in, year out, year over year. That's one of the fastest rates uh, in the nation. And he's supported and passed, you know, huge tax uh, hikes there. Payroll tax increases. He's pushed for carbon taxes, real estate excise taxes, uh, increases in the gross receipts tax. Uh, and, of course, now there's the the capital gains uh, tax at 7 percent. Uh that's in I understand's in front of the Supreme Court there, the and yeah, it is.
0: Well, you want to hear something funny about that, Chris. When Jay Inslee was running for governor for his first term, he came on my radio show and I asked him if he would promise me and my listeners that he would never raise taxes as governor. And he made that promise to me and my listeners about 10 and a half years ago that he would never raise taxes. When you And I, believe me, Chris, I play that soundbite on a loop because it's one of the great lies i've ever been told by a politician
4: it's uh it is remarkable i've seen that i mean uh frankly uh oregon governor uh kate brown is 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 almost as uh, relentless in increasing taxes and spending too but you're right it makes it even worse when they you know they tell the they, they misrepresent what they're they're actually going to do in office and it seemed clear with governor Inslee. i mean his first year in office he started pushing for tax increases so it strikes me that his original comments were just you know, not not correct.
0: Yeah, he said he was going to do it by efficiencies and just uh, the growth of the in migration and, and a more efficient government. Yeah, it was crazy that people bought that load of goods that he was selling. Uh, there are some other issues that I think are interesting compared to what other states are doing, because most governors, most state bodies recognize that these are brutal economic times for the people because of inflation, because they're seeing their four hundred one ks disappear and people are economically scared. Most states, are they not, are cutting taxes right now, while Washington is is really jacking them up.
4: That's right. uh You know, we we as we uh, grew out of the uh, COVID nineteen short recession in twenty twenty. Through 21, state uh, tax revenues just soared, and I don't think economists totally understand why. But Washington State and and most states across the country have these generate these massive budget surpluses. So with that, um, most Republican governors, there's actually 21 governors have slashed income tax rates in just the last two years, mainly Republican. And then on the Democratic side, most governors are giving back sort of one-time rebates back uh, to the citizens, because even left-of-center governors are realizing, you know, these surpluses are enormous. They're going to give some of it back uh, to the people. Uh, that said, I think, you know, with the big uh, budget surpluses in Washington State, it strikes me that uh, Governor Inslee, you know, should dial back some of his tax hikes, particularly the capital gain tax hike. The state doesn't need it. I mean, what Washington State is actually, in overall taxes, it's kind of right in the middle um it's got much higher taxes in some of the small uh government states like new hampshire and nevada and south dakota so it's got more than enough revenues, and I think it it uh, you know keeping his status as a no income tax state is really important for its long term prosperity.
0: Yeah, the capital gains tax debate's an interesting one because the IRS has clearly said that capital gains are defined as income. Our state constitution prohibits an income tax, and the voters of Washington have rejected an income tax nine times at the ballot. and And I think it's because what we were talking about at the beginning, Chris. Uh, You have a governor who says, I'm not going to raise taxes. And then he raises them by billions and billions of dollars. Can you imagine what they would do if they got their nose under the tent for uh, a de facto income tax through this capital gains tax?
4: That's right. I mean, the saving grace of Washington State is that it has no uh, income tax. And so even though Governor Inslee's been uh, in office now for nine years, it has restrained the size of government. I'm sure he would have uh, continued pushing uh, for additional growth to uh, maybe reach New York State sort of level. So that I, I think that is really important. I looked at the nine states that don't have income individual income taxes, and it's true that in in most of those states, property taxes and sales taxes are a little higher than they otherwise would be. However, the overall size of government and overall taxation uh, is lower. So. It seems to me that you know each of the three levels of government ought to have their their basic tax source. The federal government ought to have sort of a flat income tax. It seems to me, state government sales tax that's their uh, that's a good revenue source for them, and then local governments property tax. And I think if we organize it that way, it'd be much more clear to the citizenry sort of what you know who is responsible for which taxes and which you know which government is taking most of their money
0: well and with that i wish we had politicians who are more laser focused on the spending end of things because i i'm one of those chris who fully believes that we could get by with literally half the amount of government that we have but it's so bloated and i mean our, our county executive seattle's in king county our county executive in just his office alone Has a hundred and fifty employees and nine of them make over two hundred thousand a year. Ninety three make over a hundred thousand dollars a year. And, you know, King County in total has about fourteen thousand government employees, but just the executive's office alone, Chris, a hundred and fifty employees. And, and that's where I say we just need to cut so much of the nonsense in government. And then we could end up keeping a lot more of our tax money.
4: I think that's right. And I've looked at, for example, a really dramatic comparison, which is New York State versus Florida. It's actually kind of fascinating because both states now have about 20 million people. But New York, New York state and local governments spend 88 percent more than the state and local governments in Florida. And they have 38% more bureaucrats or government workers in New York State than in Florida. And yet, if you look at the quality of services like the K-12 schools, like Florida schools are actually better than New York schools. And, you know, on many other um, metrics, uh, Florida government seems to work better than New York government. And yet, New Yorkers pay so much more for their bloated government. So I think... You know, interstate comparisons are really useful to help citizens understand whether they're getting value for money.
0: Here in Washington, we're spending $20,000 per student in the public schools. And right now, 72% of our public school students are not meeting basic math standards. So there's just, there's no correlation between spending and and success. So, so I wanted to ask that on a bigger scale. And as you said, Cato uh, Institute, your free market group, you don't have anything against Washington State. I mean, there's no bias that puts Jay Inslee as the worst governor in the country, right?
4: No, absolutely not. In fact, uh, you know, I would. It, it is true that there are more Republicans did better in our uh, report than Democrats, but I would love Democrats to score higher in our report. And in fact. Uh, Joe Manchin when he was governor of West Virginia, he got an ANR report. So it really depends what the governors uh do. And we look at the hard data. Uh you know, we we think uh you know I'll give you what you know one example of sort of the hard data. I mean Jay Inslee increased spending six point three percent a year, year after year, whereas say the governor of New Hampshire has increased spending only one percent a year. So, um, you know, and New Hampshire's a growing state. They're drawing lots of uh, residents. So, you know, why does does one governor need to increase spending 6% a year when another governor can provide, you know, good, sound public policy with only 1% spending growth. So uh, uh, that that's the sort of comparison we do.
0: Yeah, and also here in Washington, with all that spending, crime is certainly, a crime in the economy are the top two issues for all of my listeners, and we have fewer police officers per capita than any state in the country. I mean does that blow your mind with all the government spending we're doing and yet we have the fewest cops per capita in the nation I mean that that shows just how screwed up our priorities are
4: You know if anyone's interested there's actually the, the Bureau of Census puts out fascinating data where they actually you can compare your state on the exact number of K twelve school workers and police officers and fire uh, rescue people, uh, welfare workers and the like, state by state. So you can you know you can compare exactly how efficient your state government is working.
0: Where is that? I'll Google it right away. It's just
4: if you Google uh, Bureau of Census government employees, that you'll find it.
0: On it. Okay, Chris. Always great talking with you. And uh, I'm I'm sorry that we only talk when our governor comes in dead last. But at least it means we get to talk on a regular basis.
4: Well, I, I hope he's <laughs> urged to do uh, to, to try to do better, or the next governor of uh, uh, Washington State uh, does better. You
0: got it. All right. Good work, Chris. I always appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Chris Edwards with Cato Institute. Uh, we'll link this up on our blog as well. You can text me. I'd love to hear your thoughts on all this. 888 973 Cairo. 888 Lots more to come here in the Dory Monson Show. Well, there are lots of ways that people are trying to divide society. One of them is with, in our schools, critical race theory, which is alive, well, and very present in our schools. And parents know this. Uh, I wanted to share this with you. This is a black man. He's dad. Uh, he went to his school board meeting and went off on CRT. And when everybody in government, government schools are trying to tell kids that they're either victims or victimizers, this is the kind of message that uh, I would put any money on this dad's children having success when dad has this kind of perspective.
5: Grandparents are black, all eight of my great-great-grandparents, all 16 of my great-greats. On my mother's side, my ancestors were enslaved in Alabama. On my father's side, we were enslaved in Texas. I am not oppressed. I'm not oppressed, and I'm not a victim. I'm neither oppressed nor a victim. I travel all across this country of ours, and I check into hotels, and I fly commercially, and I walk into retail establishments, and I order food in restaurants. I go wherever I want, whenever I want. I am treated with kindness, dignity, and respect literally from coast to coast. I have three children. They are not oppressed either, although they are victims. I've taught my children they are victims of three things, their own ignorance, their own laziness, and their own poor decision-making. That is all. My children, we are not victims of America. We are not victims of some unseen, 190-year-old force that kind of floats around in the ether. Putting critical race theory into our classrooms is taking our nation in the wrong direction. Racism in America would, by and large, be dead today if it were not for certain people and institutions keeping it on life support. And sadly, sadly, very sadly, one of those institutions is the American education system. I can think of nothing more damaging to a society than to tell a baby born today that she has grievances against another baby born today simply because of what their ancestors may have done two centuries ago. There is simply no point in doing that to our children and putting critical race theory into our classrooms in part does that. Putting critical race theory into our classrooms is not combating racism it's fanning the flames of what little embers are left i encourage you to support this resolution let racism die the death it deserves and let's
0: keep living the life of the that we thank you. yeah we we'll say it dad